The following podcast is part of the Underdog Sports Podcast Network. For advertising information or to find more great podcasts, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com and follow us on Twitter at RealTheUnderdog. I am Professor Snipe, and this is the Potterhood Podcast with Nico Wright, and we're Poznan. You're here to enjoy the subtle science and exact art of podcasting. As there's a little foolish wand waving here, many of you will hardly believe this is magic. However, for those select few who possess the predisposition, enjoy the show. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Potterhood Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm Nico White. I'm Will Poston. And this is the Potterhood Podcast. First of all, I want to thank everyone for the sound of my voice for tuning in this week with us. Will, how are you? I'm uh, I'm exhausted. It's been a a bunch of days in a row of Lena waking up in the middle of the night, and mm-hmm. I don't know how many more I I can live through. <laughs> <laughs> well, buddy, I hope you live through all of them, man. I hope you get some sleep too. I might take a nap after this. Yeah, that wouldn't that wouldn't be a bad idea, dog. Don, take you, you earned. How, how are you doing, Nico? I can't complain, fam. I'm um I'm good. I woke up in the middle of the night. You know what I'm saying? I woke up at like four in the morning and then I stayed up for like three hours and at seven, I went back to sleep and it was one of those, you know how you have one of those, it's like a cat nap, but when you stay in bed like that extra minute, like you open your eyes a little bit and you could feel that extra minute be a lot for you. Mm-hmm. Man, I, I, I slept over that extra minute and then I looked up and it was four o'clock. <laughs> you know, and here we are. But I'm in a, I'm in a decent mood, fam. Like I'm good. The world is um whatever it is, but we here, the pot of hood is still here. We still have Harry Potter shit to talk. So I can't complain. Max, how are you? I'm good. I've been very busy. I got um an internship and a like part-time job. Uh and you know, grad school final film project coming up so it's been uh it's been pretty wild <laughs> that's exciting what's the internship it's a uh script coverage and development internship with a company out in la just reading scripts and um watching movies that haven't been released and talking about like how they could be improved that's dope that's yeah, yeah. that's a fun job yeah that's awesome bro and you want to also you want to dabble in script writing and that kind of stuff. So it's like a yeah. good education on that end. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> man, I'm telling you, man. Max, every every other month, Max got a new got a new thing. If he ain't interning, he making some type of money somewhere. Kudos to the boy. Y'all make sure y'all check out his podcast too. Tell me about it, man. Yeah, it's just uh, it's called the Max Cast. I just talk to mostly comics about whatever's going on in the world of uh, politics or basketball um yeah a lot of good guests both uh nico and will have been on it and uh 
if anyone knows Ian Finance, he was just on a recent episode. Hey! Yeah. And, ladies and gentlemen, that's been the catch-up. Now, what do y'all say, fellas? Let's get started. Well, who we sorting? So, uh, in between the last episode and this episode, for about 10 minutes, Elon Musk was the richest man in the world. So, I was thinking... I'm not sure if we've sorted him, but if we did, then I definitely have new feelings about it. So let's let's sort Elon Musk. Okay, let's sort Elon Musk. I'll go first on this one. Elon Musk for me goes into um, you know, I'm caught between two, right? Because when I look at Elon Musk's face, he <laughs> reminds me of a devious cat like he kind of looks like crookshanks if i'm being quite honest <laughs> and look looking at him i, I want i want to hope that he's um i want to hope that he's noble right i want to hope these things however i remember crookshanks being noble but crookshanks was also willing to kill right crookshanks was trying to get rid of um peter pettigrew when he was wormtail for serious black so because of that you know, that it kind of makes Crookshanks a bit of a hitman. And Elon Musk just has this kind of sinister look to his face. Like, I would never trust anybody that looked like him, bro. I just I, I just wouldn't. So because of that, and I wanna I wanna say that I could be wrong on this. And if I am wrong, I apologize, but I don't think I am. But if I am wrong, I'm willing to full on apologize to the man. But if I'm not mistaken, wasn't it Elon Musk? who a couple months ago had a chip put in a pig for some reason or another that nobody else could explain. And it's like, <laughs> why do you have the freedom? Why do you have the power? Why do you have the ability to put a chip in anything and nobody asks you to? You know what I'm saying? So for those reasons, I'm going to sort him. Cause like there's a part, there was a part of me that really wanted to put him in like Ravenclaw or whatever house that Luna's mom was in. If she went, if she went to Hogwarts, because he seems like the type of person that won't stop creating stuff till he hurts somebody. You know what I'm saying? On himself, because he's behind Tesla and, and all that, right? Yes, and he did put a a chip in the pig's brain, and he claims it's to study the brain to help solve paralysis. But I'm going to reference this when I when I sort him too, because it feeds into how I feel about him. Yes. Yeah, see, who 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 are you to play God with things like that? You know what I'm saying? Who who put you in charge of that? And I don't know Elon Musk to have any sort of background in paralysis. So I just feel like that shouldn't be allowed. You know what I mean? Yes. This should be allowed. So for me, I'm I'm, I'm going to say slithering because I feel like that's some some real like real Taskmaster Tinkerer kind of shit. And it, it actually worries me when people like this go unchecked. And it's like the self-driving car. I, I <laughs> man, look, kudos, and I hope it works because I would love to get to where this is all like the Jetsons. Then there's another part of me. It's like, yo, you're just doing too much. So for me, on if I'm if I'm sorting him positively, then I would make him a very busy Hufflepuff, right, or a very naive Ravenclaw but my gut feeling is just everybody I see him with it seems like it's an orchestrated picture I don't know the man but I don't trust his face so I'm gonna go Elon Musk Slytherin final end 
this is this is exactly you basically read my mind and then articulated it better but <laughs> this is this is i think when we sorted him last time i think if we did i think i had him as a ravenclaw and since then i went what has he done because if you listen to elon musk's like stand-up routines his little monologues every single one's about oh i'm gonna solve this world problem i'm gonna solve that world problem all he's done since is make self-driving hybrid acuras like his car just looks a little bit nicer than an acura i know it's a great car but i just every single time he opens his mouth it's about solving homelessness or water irrigation or something and he hasn't solved it and i don't think he's going to i think he's just gonna make money and then fly to mars with a with this posse which is the most slytherin thing i've ever heard of of a guy promising the cure and then you know skedaddling to mars with his boys i mean i think this guy i used to think he was the most ravenclaw guy in our society and now i go no he's the most slytherin he's the most slytherin person i think that there is you know what you can be the most ravenclaw guy too and let let, because i'm I'm gonna try to find him some some wiggle room right let's say he is ravenclaw because there there, there could be a chance he could be we as a as a people in general and i I know this might sound like a little like sitting on soapbox but trust me i'm guilty uh i'm guilty of being wrong in this way also but we assume that just the slitherings can go bad, right? Even though it's been shown to us that no, everybody's capable capable of that, right? Even in um, even in Harry Potter, when you look at a character is we know to be as sweet as Ron, right? And you look at how with just the right influence of the Horcrux around his neck, the way Ron was going. You look at how Harry was, even though you can kind of chalk it up to puberty and getting to know yourself and just all those new emotions for a guy, but Harry having that piece of Voldemort in him, even in like the fifth book, where he was like, I feel so angry just all the time. That, you know, that 10 year old's rage shit, that stuff can change anybody. So he doesn't necessarily have to be slithering and he could still be all the negative things that we talk about, you know? That's, that's true. Here's why I think he's a Slytherin though. And this is maybe how both Donald Trump and COVID have influenced what I think of a Slytherin. Mm-hmm. This desperation to be in the media cycle in the way that, in a very specific way, to me, that's a very Slytherin quality. Like it's one thing to be working on these issues. Like Bill Gates is making a ton of money and Bill Gates is also claiming to try to be solving all of these global problems. Yeah. But Bill Gates doesn't do things like put a chip in a pig brain at a press conference and then say it's the cure to, you know, say it's going to like make people not need wheelchairs anymore. Like to me, that's where the press conference aspect of Elon Musk is where I feel really sure that he's a Slytherin because Ravenclaws, I could see a Ravenclaw making their, I could see Ravenclaw getting super rich. Like you could convince me that as bad as he is for society, Mark Zuckerberg's just a misguided Ravenclaw or even a a misguided Hufflepuff. But, and I, yeah. Wild eye ambition is a lot, dog. Like, and and when people want to do something, 
Like, th- think about it. Your intentions can be noble. If you want, if the only thing you wanted to do was throw the world's biggest party, right? That's all you want to do is throw the world's biggest party. Whatever you have to do to throw that party, you might be willing to do if the party's the main goal. What you can become in the meantime is something that could scare you or something that can inspire you. So to everybody listening to this episode of Potterhood Podcast, try to decide which one you're going to be. Because Elon Musk, you can look at it a couple ways. You can look at it like, hey, he, he's noble. He has noble intentions. And he's going to go until he makes the Sorcerer's Stone. He might be Nicholas Flamel, bro. You, but you have to crack a few eggs, right? Or it can go the other way. And in his, you know, in his path to become somebody that gets us to Mars or whatever his big dream is, to get chips and pigs, <laughs> whatever it is, there could be a way for him to do it and him not be a complete megalomaniac. And then there's another possibility where it's like, you might be close to going too far. And I think the chip and the pig's brain is too far. So where are you going to put him, man? Where's the fi- what's the final answer for you? Where are you going? I'm, I'm going Slytherin. Max, do you, uh, do you support us in putting him in Slytherin or you got him somewhere else? You know, don't no, give, I'm don't give, don't give Max that better. support. Like, do you support us? Like, if you don't, he fired. <laughs> um, no, a hundred percent, he's still there. He's like, he, he's, he's kind of a crazy person. I mean, I, I don't know if that's really the description of a Slytherin, but it's, I don't know. I think he's very good at, um, uh, connecting himself with the right people. Like Ooh. he, um, for his image, like he's, uh, he's tight with, um, Joe Rogan. He, um, I think he's always positioning himself to be like, uh, you know, move from California, talk about how it's like time to be in Texas. Yeah. Um, he'll like reach out to whoever the president is. He just wants to have the president. Uh, he just wants to be in the president's ear, no matter like what the beliefs are. Um, and then he's just kind of like a weird dude. He like, yeah. uh, he, um, Remember when those like kids were stuck in the cave and he was going to help them out and someone else figured it out and he called yeah. this guy like a weird pedo and it was just <laughs> like he's not though so I think he's all over the place. I also don't know if you can uh, as a private citizen dream of getting us to the moon without being kind of uh, a megalomaniac and crazy. It's just like I don't know how else you would do it. Um, yeah, going really to the just, moon is some Slytherin shit for sure. Yeah, it's like him and Bezos <laughs> are the two people right now in the in like the private sector really trying to get us into space. And it's just like um, they're both fucking insane. So yeah. I think I would put them. I would. I know this is one thing. I would put both Bezos and um, uh, Musk and Slytherin. <laughs> okay, so just let me throw this out there. I don't believe they belong in this house, but just let me throw this out there. I think there could be a case made for putting him in Gryffindor and in Gryffindor as Seamus Finnegan. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Because when you look at Seamus Finnegan, Seamus fin- Finnegan seemed like pretty wishy-washy. Like he'd hang out with whoever was willing to support the feelings that he was supporting at the time. When Ron was mad at Harry, Seamus was mad at Harry. So it's like, yo, we boys and we boys and fuck the people <laughs> that ain't boys with us. Right? Elon Musk has that type of energy because every time i see him with people he seems to be with people that i like people that i think i respect and i go he kind of looks like the odd man out like every time i see him in pictures with people i like it's like yo they seem like they're in the picture like yo i'm with elon musk 
and he's in the picture like, yeah, they're with me. You get what I'm saying? It's yeah, it's one of those. So there's 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 even a way that that could be a Gryffindor trick too. So I don't know. I see a lot in the guy, but yes, Slytherin's the house for him. So do you think? Do you think that Seamus could show up to the Hogwarts 25 year reunion and he's worth a hundred billion dollars and nobody gives a fuck about Harry? <laughs> I think I think what would happen is he might want that to happen, but as soon as he gets in the room, I feel like, and again, I don't know the man, but I feel like in his mind, only he think about it. Yeah. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Only he think about it. Like, yo, I gotta show up and I gotta bring this and Seamus got to show up. You know how some people, it's like, you could have did the thing the right way, but you had to make a scene so we look at you? Yes. Why are you, like, damn it, I feel like Seamus could have just did those spells, bro. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You don't got to blow up all the time, bro. Why, why is it you the only person blowing up? Nico would have been in the class with Seamus, like, you blew it up again? Again? Well, yo, bro, what did you do? Because <laughs> it has to be the same spell that blows shit up. So what did you do? You got some shit on my cloak. My cloak was pristine. <laughs> you got potion on my cloak. <laughs> you got potion on my cloak. Uh, potion on my cloak. That's the name of this episode, fam. <laughs> potion on my cloak. So let's move past um the first sorting. God bless you, on must, sir. We hope that um we hope you enjoy your stay in Slytherin. You know what I mean? We hope you have a quite uneventful time at Hogwarts and stop putting things in pigs. <laughs> Anyhow, let's so, so let's uh, we talked a little bit about the houses. Let's talk about the house ghosts. Let's talk about the house ghosts, man. And you know what? You know, what I'm gonna start calling this part of the podcast because we're going on. How long are we going, man? Are we about to hit two years soon? We're we'll be at two years, I believe, in May. We'll be in two years in May, ladies and gentlemen. And first of all, we want to thank all of you that are still with us. You know what I'm saying? We get to look at the numbers. We get to see everything. So we want to thank y'all for sticking around. And we want to thank you people for being alive still, fam. <laughs> no, ser- seriously, dog. Because we, we, yeah, right. we talk a lot. And we didn't talk so much about politics over the last little while. We didn't talk so much about the state of things. And just be able to have a dedicated group of, you know, whatever thousands of people to still listen. Y'all are awesome. So kudos to y'all. Now, we're going to start calling this part of the podcast, like the body of it. Let's start calling it the meat and potatoes. Only because I've heard other people use that phrase and I like it a lot. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? This is the meat and potatoes of part of the podcast. Well, my bad for cutting you off. Please continue. So let's let's start it out with... Of the four house ghosts, mm-hmm. uh, which one's your favorite? And also, who's your favorite? Are they your favorite ghost in Hogwarts, or is a unaffiliated unaffiliated ghost mm-hmm. owning Myrtle or Peeves? Mm-hmm. Is that your top ghost, or is it one of the house ghosts? Okay, so for me, when it came to the ghosts, it's always going to be the house ghosts that are my favorite because they were introduced with the most um, in enthusiasm. Mm-hmm in the movie, like in that first movie where you had the Bloody Baron nearly had the snake, I still remember their names from them showing up like that in that scene, right? So my favorite one of them would have to be nearly headless snake only because of how he ended up nearly headless. That was one of the, like, that was one of the quotables from the first movie, right? 
nearly headless? How, how could you be nearly headless? It was a humor that I appreciated. Homie just <laughs> peeled his neck to the side, flipped it back. But then when you find out, he was scheduled for execution. And whoever had to do the guillotine on him, they didn't sharpen the blade correctly. So they had to do it over and over and over and over again. And he still, like, they had to hack and hack and hack like 40-something times before they got almost all the way through. So it's like, that's a really vicious, vicious death. And it slipped in my mind what, what he did to deserve that. But whatever it was, my gosh, dog. And he can't even join the headless hunt. I like it when somebody has some sort of um, thing that they haven't accomplished that kind of still gets at them. So even in, in his afterlife, he's kind of a um, not bit, not a bitter person because I guess he's not a person anymore. But he's definitely a little more bitter, and I can appreciate that out of a character that you would just see if you only watched the movies, if you just saw him as being fun. So he would be my favorite house ghost, and my least favorite would be the Bloody Baron because I was looking at a video yesterday, and I didn't know that the Bloody Baron had such a like crazy backstory. Correct me if I'm wrong. But I want to say that the Bloody Baron, he went to look for Rowena um, Ravenclaw's daughter or something like that. Because yep. she, was, she was on her deathbed and she wanted to see her daughter one last time. But he was in love with her. And when she didn't want to, you know, I guess she didn't want to talk to him. I hope I have it right. She didn't want to speak to him. And this fool went out and killed the lady's daughter. She didn't even get to see her mom. You know what I'm saying? Her mom ended up dying. And never going to see a daughter. So I think that was really, um, I just find it strange that they honor those people. Like Hogwarts is pretty weird about who they give their flowers to. You know what I'm saying? And who they keep around. I just feel like it's almost predator- predatory to have the Bloody Baron still present on the school while Helena Ravenclaw or Rena Ravenclaw's on Ghost is also in the school somewhere. So oh, that's, that's my favorite. So if you were... If you were at Hogwarts, you'd be pushing for the Bloody Baron to be expelled like the way they want to rename buildings at University of Virginia and stuff. Yeah, yeah, just because it's like when, when you honestly go back and think about it, and it, who knows, maybe it just matches the times, but it's like, hey, my friend, I just think that it sets a bad example for the kids, right? Because it's like, yo, this is Hogwarts and we want to keep the kids safe. Oh, well, the house ghost over there is a murderer. That's a great point. It's a t- Maybe the Bloody Baron, maybe it's his fault that all the Slytherins go bad and we don't have more Slughorn Slytherins and more Regulus Black Slytherins. Like, yeah. He's a terrible example for these first-year kids. But... Uh, the counterpoint to that is every ghost is kind of a terrible example for their student yes. body. And through researching the ghosts, uh, I, I realized that, that every ghost kind of represents the dark side of whatever value system the house has. Um, but going back to nearly headless Nick, the crime that he committed that he was sentenced to death for, he was hired by, um, by muggle royalty to fix the teeth of a local princess and when he did a spell on her her teeth turned into walrus tusks oh. <laughs> he's kind of like the neville of his time yes 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 yeah and uh so going so my favorite ghost 
and this is after researching it. So initially, I always liked the Bloody Baron because I liked the idea that there's this ghost that intimidates other ghosts. Yeah. It's, it's like there's no repercussions for ghosts, but they're still scared of them. Yeah. But through researching it, dude, I love the Happy Friar, the Hufflepuff ghost. Mm-hmm. So his backstory is that he was a medic. All he would do is he would use magic to help muggles and he would cure them of their diseases. Like during the bubonic plague, he was out there just curing muggles. And then one day a bunch of muggles were like untrustworthy of him because he knew magic and they executed him. And as they were executing him, he was like, so he was a nice guy his whole life. Yeah. Nice to everybody, put everybody else before himself. Then they go to execute him and he's like, fuck you guys. I hate you guys. I wish I'd never helped you. Like yeah. I just love that emotional context for a character. And that's why he became a ghost. Cause he was so angry about the world treating him unfairly, mm-hmm. even though all he'd done is done right by other people, that that yeah. resentment was why he was, had to stay a ghost. And man, fam, like, again, it's one of those things where you you never realize the lessons you could pull from a show that you could pull from a book. I didn't know that previously, right? And as soon as as soon as you said it, I just wanted to say, like, I really hope people understand those types of feelings. Energy doesn't dissipate, it's transferred, right? Those types of feelings, I really think, last people through death. Like, I feel like when people pass on, and I, you know, I don't know nothing about what happens to you. I ain't never died before. But I feel like when you pass on, those things remain. Like, those energies remain. The fact that dude was so bitter at how he was a good person, and they all turned on him at the end, and it made him so angry that he stayed a ghost. Yo, imagine that. Imagine what the type of toll you have to take on somebody to do that. We all like that in our regular lives. There's somebody where you go, yo, you inconvenienced my day enough that if I could control the fate of what would happen, you would stub your toe tonight. <laughs> <laughs> so be mindful of how y'all treat people. You know who else is a ghost? Um, and I hope I got it right. Per- you correct me if I'm wrong. Professor Ben's the um, yeah. history of magical um, history of magic. He's one that doesn't get enough credit. Like he's on, he's not my favorite ghost, but the man's top five because dude died and didn't even notice it. Just woke up and kept teaching. That's hilarious. That's commitment to your job. When Dumbledore died, Dumbledore just died, dog. But that's the thing about ghosts. So I through researching this, I really think that JK Rowling is trying to say something with the ghost thing. Because you look at Professor Binns, every ghost has a core directive and then they also have a giant blind spot like you look at him all he cares about is history so much that he dies and he keeps teaching history but no part of his brain goes you know i should make this history interesting to my students Mm, like he does his whole thing like he's willing to stay with us not and we'll talk about the wizard afterlife after this but he's willing not to go to the afterlife to stay and teach history but he's not willing to adjust his teaching style to make some of the most interesting shit that's ever happened interesting. Yes. Now, let's look at passions, though. So when you think about a passion, right, and you love a thing, you might love that thing. You might not be so interested in how other people absorb it. It's like, um, since we're talking about a teacher, I remember going to school, and I remember I had a teacher named Mr. Mr. Jaw, right? 
Mr. Jaw was a Korean gentleman and he had a very, very, very thick accent, right? So the way that he taught math confused the living shit out of me. You know what I'm saying? It confused the living shit out of me. It was horrifyingly bad. And there's a way that I can, there's a way that I can learn things. And Mr. Jaw taught a lesson one day and he taught the lesson and it showed that he can teach in that manner that I understand he chose not to. You know what I'm saying? And in that, it killed my, uh, it really did. It killed my enthusiasm for math. Back in seven, I'll never forget this, back in seventh grade, math was my favorite subject up until that point. And because he taught it, so it was so rudimentary, it was so boring, it was so stale that I was like, I hate everything to do with this topic. And I don't know if I'm embarrassed to say it, but it's like all of my math attentiveness died in that year. You know what yeah. I'm saying? It died in um, 2000 and what? If ninth grade was 2007 and like 2006, 2005. Yeah, they, he killed what math could have been for me, dog. So just think, keep that stuff in mind if we have any um, teachers out there. You don't want to prevent Professor Benz it. Yeah, for but sure. But there's, there's also something to be said about loving a topic so much that you stayed around to do it more. Come on, who who... Man, think about how dope it is. Who can who can teach you more history and really get into their subject better than a ghost? He lived it. I mean, he kind of had no excuse for not being able to make that connection because he had all the t he lived the experience. Mm -hmm. He was around for a lot of it. He's going to be around for all of it going forward. And he has all the time in the world to tinker with his teaching style. And the textbook is fascinating because remember, Hermione, Hermione, that's the class she's most excited for. Yes. Just off of reading the textbook. And then, you know, all the kids opt out of it by year five. Wow. He was so uninteresting that everybody lost interest. Mm -hmm. Oh, something um, that I meant to say earlier, and I'm sorry about this, but real, just to go back to Elon Musk real quick. You know what he kind of reminds me of? And when I was making a case for Gryffindors, I should have said this. He kind of is like Peter Pettigrew, dog. I think he has these, I, like Peter Pettigrew, if he had the audacity to be an individual, right? Yeah. To where you might want to do good things, but you're willing to hang out with every and anybody, dog. Whoever's willing to help and get you where you need to go, that's the one that you want to rock with. If you need certain people, it's like, oh, okay, this is the social activity that I need. Boom, that's the person that I'm going to cling to. Okay, this is the political connect I need. Boom, I'm going to take that picture. It's not, they're not black or white as far as their decisions. Their decisions are really muddled. They're great. They're all in that gray area until they go bad. If Elon Musk is listening, he's like, up until this point, he's like, okay, they went hard at me, but they didn't say anything too offensive. And then he got compared to Peter Pettigrew. And well, I mean, j just kind of and look wise too. You know what I'm saying? Like, no, if that's you look true. At, if you look at his face, he has the same like wide, wider face as the actor that portrayed um, Peter in the movies. So I don't even think we're going hard on this rich ass man, bro. <laughs> I, 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 and, that, and that's the thing. I think he's doing just fine. But you know, the sad part is that just because I'm sitting here and because I assume that he has money, I'm assuming kind of wrongfully, that he doesn't have any problems. You know what I'm saying? The man could be very sensitive about his face. He could be very sensitive about his neck. He could be very sensitive about whatever he's sensitive about. I'm just saying, 
the sad part is I'm one of those people that like most people because he has so many resources, I assume that ah, you can handle it, you'll be fine. And who yeah. knows, maybe, maybe that's wrong of me, but I'm man enough to admit that. And if I meet this rich motherfucker, I will tell him what I said. Yeah, and I think that his public persona is of not having any problems. I mean, and that's the other thing too. It's like he's naming his kid his kid weird XY combinations and mm-hmm. you know everything he puts out it's like, you know, he's killing it. And uh and I would say that I don't think we have to worry about being sensitive with him because he wasn't sensitive at all with COVID. Like his whole yeah. thing was like they need to let people make their own choices, which it it just had a you know once again giant blind spot to mm-hmm. what a lot of people's situation was. A hundred, a hundred percent. But now we off that and back yeah. on what we were talking about. Continue, bro. So if we look at each house's ghosts, they all represent kind of the downside to that house's values. So mm-hmm. you look at the bloody baron. He's a he. He was a duke. He spent his whole life trying trying to achieve this clout, just for the one person who you know, just to fall in love with a a lady, and then her not to be into him in that way. And his whole mind was built on being able to forge this network around him that, for somebody to reject him drove him into such a rage that he committed murder and killed himself afterwards. Yeah. You look at uh, Lady Grey, the ghost of Ravenclaw, her whole life was a bastardization of Ravenclaw values. She was using a performance enhancing hat to seem smarter than she was. And uh, because she was wearing the hat, she was smarter than she actually was. And even when she died, she wanted to stay around just so she could control her. Her whole thing about being smart was to control her persona and the way people perceived her. And she was willing to stay a ghost and forgo afterlife just to just to kind of manipulate people's, how people perceived her. Um, the most interesting one to me is actually Nearly Headless Nick. Nearly Headless Nick, Gryffindor ghost, was brave for his entire life only to be scared to die. That's a, that's like a complete, it's an interesting sentiment in regards to Gryffindor. Like he's brave about everything. He's willing to help muggles at a time when that might not have been popular. He's willing to try magic that he wasn't even capable of pulling off. But when it came time to die, he was like, I'm too scared, I'm gonna stay a ghost. And then the most interesting to me, well, the second most interesting to me is the Hufflepuff ghost who uh, he's like, yeah, even though even though he lived his whole life to help people, even though his whole thing is, I want to make the world a better place. Once he realized how unfair the world actually is, he was like, fuck these people. I regret helping them. And that shit is dope on some level, just in terms of pettiness. But then on the flip side of that, it's a complete bastardization of the Hufflepuff value system. And it reminds me a little bit of what we talk about when we talk about Cedric and how maybe Cedric is only high achieving in order to, in because he has an idealistic view of the world and because he's trying to win in some internal rubric. Um, yeah. So, yeah. 
Oh, uh, I was gonna say, um, well, at least with the Hufflepuff ghost, it makes sense that if you've, like, spent your whole life helping people and they turn on you like that, you would not, like, be like, well, you wouldn't be understanding about, um... True, but it reminds me of Tim Tebow. It's like, Tim Tebow's like, I did everything right. I converted these kids in the Philippines to Christianity. <laughs> I... I don't even have sex. I play, I, you know, I'm a great teammate. What do you mean you're not going to let me be, be a starting quarterback in the NFL? And it's like, bro, I'm sorry. You, you know, you can't throw the ball past 30 yards with accuracy. <laughs> but it's a little bit like that to me. That's what the, the good friar reminds me of. And then my other thought when we were talking about uh, nearly headless Nick earlier uh, with him getting like uh, his head cut off with a dull blade. I wonder if in... Um, the prisoner of Azkaban at any point he was like what the hell why they will use time travel to save a hippogriff but not me <laughs> that's hilarious <laughs> yeah nearly headless nick probably should complain more about his death like every time a character complains about anything it's like whoever hermione gets paralyzed by the basilisk and she's like you know my neck still hurts from the getting paralyzed from the basilisk nearly headless nick should just float in and be like Oh, what's that like for your neck to just be one thing that's not severed in the middle point? Yeah. <laughs> that's broke. But they yeah. And the other ghost, the other the only ghost we haven't mentioned yet, who also stays in line with this like blind spot theory, is Moaning Myrtle, whose whole life yes. is built around being liked by 15-year-old boys to the point that now she's like a 90-year-old ghost, and the only thing she cares about is Draco and Harry. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You, you know something? And you, you, hit, you hit on it a little earlier. Anyway, that's uh, just like you're, uh, you're, um, things you're, uh, wait, Nico, you're, uh, your audio's glitching. Because yeah, you're, 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 uh, let's take that back because that was, um, you were like freezing up and you might just be frozen now. I got you. Cool. Hold on. Can you hear me? Yeah. yeah, now it's good. Okay, cool. So I was saying one of the things that Will hit on earlier was how the ghosts in Hogwarts seem to represent a different thing, like depending on which one you're talking about. And it's interesting in the way that J.K. Rowling went with some of the ghosts because they almost encapsulate people that couldn't move on, right? So you look at the Bloody Baron and you look at what he went through. Like, there's any young men out there that might be in a relationship problem right now, or you might have a girl that you know that you like that might not return the feelings toward you. I hope that you choose neutrality and not what the Bloody Baron chose, which was self-destruction. You get what I mean? Yes. Because a lot of pe a lot of people go through those feelings, dog, and we don't we never talk about it, especially like guys when we get emotional or break us or over rejection there's some people that handle it like that and we gotta start like those people don't exist you know what i'm saying or that they're just crazy love means a lot to different people and they go so far for it that it can end up looking like that that weird misbegotten interpretation of what love is supposed to be you love something so much that you hurt it you know what I'm saying? So if there's any young guys out there or any young women out there that are in love and you feel the need, like when you're rejected to hurt that person or hurt yourself, please just take a breath. You know what I'm saying? Take a breath and realize, A, it's not worth it. 
in love is a much more communal feeling you think it is. It's not as specific as we like to make it. You'll find something, someone else, okay? Do not do a bloody baron. <laughs> and I wonder if, uh, if because the bloody baron's whole focus was just ascending in the hierarchy of that society, if he didn't have the real relationships and the support system that he could have felt like fallen back on when he got rejected, if that was why he just pivoted a rage was because, you know, he'd been promoted so many times that the, you know, like the people he started with, they weren't in his life anymore. He'd isolated himself. I'll be happy when we can go back to doing these things in person, dog. When y'all gonna get cold tested? I'm gonna get the vaccine as soon as I can, which will be probably March or April. I've been tested. I, you know what? Yeah, I, no, it's I like a. Know. Remember the thing I I talked to you about how we're trying to expand our our bubble a little bit. Yeah. Um, we should we should refocus on that too if we can, because I do want to yeah, go man. into the city desperately. Yeah, man. I I, I want to do a live podcast so we can stop <laughs> dealing with these sound like. In equivalencies, dog. Hundred percent. Yeah, I mean, y'all, y'all don't get, fam. We ah, the way I'm used to doing this podcast. <laughs> right now, I would be in Max's apartment on another planet. Okay. Well, talking, when I can, dr- when I can drive shit, into the beating city, Max in video games. <laughs> when I can drive in the city, what I'll do is I'll I'll bring Lena, but I'll pick you up in Man mm-hmm. in uh in Manhattan, and then we'll drive over to Max's. So we'll then you don't have to do, like the train and stuff, and it'll just be COVID safe. Let's let's do that. Um, after we all get a test, whatever day you go out though, and get a test, let it come back the next day. If niggas is good, meet up whatever that day is. Go out where wear the mask and what not. Max will have you do the same, and who knows? Maybe we'll just do a live fucking podcast, record shit. Dope. You know what I mean? Because it's, it's been a year since we last did one, too, so why not? Cool. Let's do that. Um, let's, let's do that. So should we do our uh, our last... The last segment was just a mini dive on Peter Pettigrew. Yeah, sure. This was a mini dive in the young Elon Musk. Cool. So... Uh, so last segment, we're going we're gonna to talk a little bit about Peter Pettigrew... Uh, probably the most reviled character. Most people's least favorite character, I would say, is either him or Umbridge mm-hmm. are the two most common ones. Um, so there was a video posted on Harry Potter Folklore. That Shout out about, Harry Potter Folklore. Yeah, great YouTube channel. And uh, they were talking about how Peter might be the most dangerous marauder. And mm-hmm. I think you can make a strong case for it. Mm-hmm. Um, but the question is, how dangerous is he actually? So, oh, there we go. So, what what do we think? Do we think he's more dangerous? Is he more dangerous than a Krabby or a Goyle? Okay, so for me, I want y'all to understand. You know what, Will? I want you and Max to go first because for me, this one's a bit. It's layered. My answer. Okay. So for me. I think he's more dangerous than a Krabby or a Goyle. I think in a duel or die, he could take on both of them. Because I think the thing about Peter is that if he really needs to survive, he's going to turn into a rat for as long as possible. And then one night when you're asleep, 
Like, he's not dual or dying in a traditional fashion. He's turning into a rat, and then one night you wake up, and he's over you, and he slits your throat. He's one of those kinds of guys. So I think he's more dangerous than Krabby and Goyle, more dangerous than Lucius. I mm. think that after Bellatrix and Barty Crouch Jr., he might be the third most dangerous Death Eater. Man, let me tell you, not only do I agree with you, I'm going to add three more layers to that. Here's why Peter Pettigrew might be the most dangerous Death Eater. It's because Peter did espionage almost better than Snape did, and he did it in a way where it just ended up that way. He never vied for the job. It just ended up that way. He was chasing power. And people that chase power without a... um, When they chase power without borders, they can end up on any side. They don't care about right or wrong. They care about position. And proximity and position are two very different things. Peter was close to power on both sides. He was this close to Dumbledore, just like he was this close to Voldemort. He was always not the main guy, but he was always within the group. In Order of the Phoenix, he wasn't a go-to. And I'm sure in the Death Eaters, he wasn't a go-to. But in order to make himself look nicer, to look like a bigger, brighter piece of silver in um, in the drawer, he would do certain things. And it didn't matter to him the practicality of it or the honor behind it. It was just survive, 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 survive. That's all I have to do is survive because I'm so afraid. But see, I feel like his fear matched his power, right? And he, bro, he killed 12 people in one shot. Not only do I think he murks Crab and Goyu, I think he murks most people, fam. He went with Voldemort to get uh, Mad-Eye, him, Barty Crouch, and a sick Voldemort. That says a lot. You know what I'm saying? He might have been a coward, but some people are afraid to fight because they don't like to get hit, not because they can't fight. And if you look at it, the way he hit, he hit harder than anybody else because he killed James and Lily. You know what I'm saying? With his information. And the thing about it that makes it so crazy is that nobody ever expected him. You know what I'm saying? Just the guilt. When you really think about the guilt that must have put on somebody like like a serious black and the fact that he stayed right under their noses, he was with the Weasleys. To all intents and purposes for the Order of Phoenix, that's that's the plug. That's the ministry plug. And they're the biggest part of the of the army family wise. They have the most to lose. So he's right there connected literally within the main nucleus of the fucking order of the Phoenix and has been. Yo, that guy is on a different level. He's the Russian traitor to Putin that got close enough to everything. You know what I'm saying? That guy is not to be trifled with. And we might revile him for being less than honorable, but if he was a war criminal on our side, you would he would get every medal possible. You're right. He uh, he is a better spy than Snape, and he's better spy than. Wow. He's just around. I mean, this that was your point. That's a great point. You know what I wonder though? So him staying with the Weasleys, wanting to keep tabs on the magical world. Let's say instead of instead of Voldemort living, what if Voldemort had died? What would his game plan would have been? Do you think he would have just came back? as Peter Pettigrew and been like, hey, so I survived Sirius. And then it was no. like a 
No, he would have just hung out as a mouse. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. A hundred percent. I think he was Forever. totally content with hanging out as a mouse or going to live in extreme obscurity. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like finding out that there was nothing for him to be worried about and then just going off into the night. I feel like he was more worried about Voldemort's influence having him killed, which sure enough is what had him killed. Yeah. You know, it was Voldemort's influence. He acted on being that. Remorse is a weird thing. And man, I, I wonder how I feel about the frightened. Because there's no way that you can get me to say too many positive things about Peter Pettigrew. But now, man, as I sit here as what, I'm 20, I'm 27. And I think about it, right? And you wonder what people would do for their freedom. And I think about the things that I've seen people do for much less than freedom. You know what I'm saying? I'm thinking about the petty shit I've seen people do to each other that I've seen people do to me, whether it's on a professional working side, like as a, you know, entertainer or just the regular shit in life. And it's like, there isn't a lot of explanation for half of the negative shit people do. You know what I'm saying? But when you find out how afraid they are, you almost feel sad for them. You know what I mean? Because I'm sitting here and I'm thinking about Wormtail and it's like, I'm trying to think if I can make this guy redeemable in any way, shape, form, or fashion. And then when you look at how scared he was, and then when you look at how the the friendship dynamic of James and the Marauders really were, and you think that, yo, that's what trained him. That's what trained him. And it's like, yo, people could just be evil, but it's like people are also products of their environment, right? And through his environment, he got taught to deal with these certain types of bullies. So I just wonder if that goes to say anything about the Marauders in general, or if it just says more about Peter. And I actually think it's more in the middle than being as one-sided as people might think it is. Yeah, the only nice thing I can say about him, and this isn't even a compliment for him, out of every single character in the movies, he is the best portrayed of every yes. single one and yes my second choice for that award is hagrid and when we mm-hmm. talk about how powerful peter pettigrew is i was doing duel or dies mm-hmm. and i actually think because he could turn into a mouse and because he has no capacity for honor i actually mm-hmm. think he beats somebody like a hagrid in the duel or die 100 percent, he beats hagrid but i think he beats hagrid because he's more magically inclined than hagrid because i don't think hagrid had you know hagrid had to stop really early and it's kind of sad because it put a real low ceiling on hagrid and hagrid i wonder what hagrid could have become if he actually got to practice magic do you, you know think- what i shoot do you think that if Hagrid had graduated from Hogwarts near the top of his class, he would have dressed like Dumbledore? He would have worn like purple robes and shit? I, th- I think he definitely would. I don't think he would have wore purple robes. I think he would have wore what he had, but with different animal stitchings like in them. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Like Hagrid going to show up with a hippogriff feather, with a hip- hippogriff feather coat. Not not because he plucked it off the hippogriff, but because the hippogriff like shed its fe- feathers and whatnot and offered yeah. it to him. Like, he seems like one of those guys. I just feel like the personality would have been able to get bigger. But you know what? I actually want to go into that on another episode. So let's say For that. sure. No, definitely. Let's do that. So the last question I got in mm. regards to Peter Pettigrew is, excluding Peter Pettigrew, who do you blame for Peter Pettigrew? Because the video on Harry Potter folklore 
puts a lot of blame on James and fairly so. It argues that James only kept Peter around because he liked Peter's like brown nosy compliments. And mm. uh, so some of the other people we could I blame disagree. besides James, we could blame Sirius. Sirius. We could blame Lupin. Mm. We could blame Lily. We could blame the sorting hat. Um, we could definitely blame Voldemort. Who who do you blame for Peter Pettigrew? So it depends on what side of Peter Pettigrew that we're talking about. I blame I blame the man himself first and foremost for choosing the things that he chose because at a certain point you don't just get to be influenced, dog. You have to take responsibility for the things that you did. You decided to do that shit, and you decided to completely forego your honor with your friends. Also, they're all they're all responsible for it, man. There's a part of this that Sirius holds because little homie wouldn't have had the information or been made the secret keeper if not for Sirius. But then also we never would have found out that he was a traitor. He might not have been the, you know, the protection-seeking type if he had a personality early on. But how much blame can I put on friends for having a natural friendship dynamic? It just so happened that this, this guy turned out the way he turned out. So... I guess it's nature versus nurture. Was is it in his nature to be this way, or was he nurtured into being that way? And I don't know that I have a definitive answer. I'll have to answer that on another episode of the pod because I have to think about it more. Right now, results inconclusive. I'm gonna blame Lily for him being the secret keeper because she had some distance, mm. and I think that Lily, for all of her amazing qualities. She could have st stood to be a little bit more judgmental. Like she mm -hmm. could have been a little bit better about stamping out of James's. I mean, she was good with James. She helped point him in the right direction. She could have been a little bit more helpful with some of his friends. But more than anyone, I blame the Sorting Hat. I've been thinking about this. Mm -hmm. Is Hogwarts right to sort characters into the house where? they seem like they'll fit or they most see themselves as or does the sorting hat have a responsibility to put characters in the place where they'd have the most growth like mm. draco sees himself as a slytherin but imagine if draco was forced to be a gryffindor or if ron was yeah. forced to be a hufflepuff like yeah. there's these characters who would have really benefited from being in other houses True. Just understand that that changes the fandom, right? That changes sure. a lot of these conversations. So because of plot and because of um, it's one of those things where, okay, sure, you were downstairs and gunfire rang out and you didn't run. And it's like, you should have run. Yeah, I know I should have. But in the moment, sometimes your feet don't work, you know? So yes. the certain hat only gets to make this decision one time. So it's it's weighing its options. You know what I'm saying? It's not Ooh. like they do this every year. It only gets to do this once. We and before start, you change, before you change, shoot. We we should start a Hogwarts where we resort people every year. That, that would be an improvement. That would not be bad. As a matter of fact, that wouldn't be a bad um, little segment to add, a resorting. Boom. I think, you know what? They just got to get that. And I think we should end it on that. Yes. We're going to start doing resortings, ladies and gentlemen, and really, go, and really going into this thing. It's that's a new a year. Let's idea. have new fun. Yeah, that's great. It's like 
Oh, where where would third year Ron be? Like that's a great thing. Yes. Okay, I love that. We'll do that on another one. On maybe on the next one. Let, let's do it on the next one, dog. Cool. We ele- we elevating up. this year. We yes. elevating this year, and that's gonna be the wrap up, ladies and gentlemen. Our pledge as the Potterhood Podcast is as follows: As long as you follow us, we promise to follow back with more quality this year, more fun. All right. So, ladies and gentlemen, this has been episode question mark. <laughs> I think 33 of the quarantine. 33 of the quarantine, but you know what? We've been in the quarantine for so long, the dog, I'm just ready to go back to calling it the fucking potterhood, man. <laughs> I'm ready to end this quarantine series, dog. So what say you? I agree. We under quarantine, but damn it, the feeling isn't. So this will be the final episode of the quarantine series of the Potterhood podcast. Max, where can they find you? They can find me, all social media, Max Marcus Comedy. Check out the Max cast on iTunes and Spotify. There you go. Big Will, where can they find you, Pop? You can follow me, find me on Instagram at Will Posden, and you can follow us on TikTok at the Potterhood underscore. There you go. Ladies and gentlemen, if you'd like to follow me, you can find me on Instagram. That's at N-E-K-O-W-H-I-T-E-9-3 on Instagram. Again, that's N-E-K-O-W-H-I-T-E-9-3 on Instagram. You can find me on Twitter at Nico underscore White 93, N-E-K-O underscore W-H-I-T-E-9-3. You can find me on TikTok and all that good stuff. I have a new special out. It's called Dark Out. Give it a look. Give it a like. Give it a share. And we... Only have a couple more words said to y'all. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm Nico White. I'm Will Posnan. Brother on three. One, two, three. Mischief. Mischief. Mischief.